Welcome to Band Geek. I am Richie Castellano, and I have a very special, or we have, there's multiples of us today, we have a very special guest with us, the incredible Matt Beck. Hello, hello, hello. Filling out the Band Geeks are your Band Geek regulars. We have Andy on the drums. We have Anne-Marie on the bass. Oh, hey. And we have Vincenzo. Hey, Vin. What do you want to be called? Vin. Call me Vin. Vin? Please. Yeah, call me Vin. Yeah. It's, call me Vin, okay? It's been long enough. Yeah. yeah. Vin on the keyboard. <laughs> you can call me Vin now. Um, He's a grown up. It's not Vinny. It's Vin now. Vin. So I'm going to just, I, but instead of doing like an elaborate introduction, I'm just going to, I pulled up uh, allmusic.com on Matt Beck. Oh, this ought to be good. So there, <laughs> so there might be another Matt Beck. <laughs> so if, this, if, if these are not you, feel free to correct me. Okay, so we have. Um, Let's hear oh, it. Let's uh, hear it. We have Rob Thomas. Correct. Um, <laughs> Renee Fleming. Yes, actually. Uh, That's a recent thing. Mean Girls. Yes. The uh, cast recording. Oh, so cool. Yes. Um, Josh Cohen. The other oh, Josh Cohen. Yeah, that's that's a, a, an off-Broadway show. Yeah. All right, so we don't care about that. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Written by my good friends. <laughs> and, and, uh, Amelie, the uh, the cast recording. Uh, yeah, that was another musical. Uh, we have the Afghan Wigs. Yes. As engineer. Yes. I actually helped my friend John Skibbick uh, track some guitar for that album. Wow. Yeah. We have the Greatest Showman, the uh, the soundtrack. Yes. That's huge, dude. That was that was big. Awesome. That was big for me. I mean, I, that actually wound up winning a Grammy, so I was able to get one of those like little certificates that I wow. paid fifty dollars for. <laughs> and I still had to prove that I played on it. And, and uh, wow. they would say, you know, you, send would you have to pay for that. You have to pay fifty bucks, and you have to prove that you played on it by uh, sending like liner notes. I shit you not. <laughs> I have to tell you how small I feel right now because I've been paid to do a parody of one of those songs. And now I have the guy who played. The thing. It's like it's, it always, it's always like you know very grounding. It's like hey, I got this gig doing a parody. It was like oh yeah, I did the actual thing, I did the real thing. Right? You, you, you parodied me. Yeah, you jerk. Okay, uh, so the. Um, we have the Dan Band, the wedding album. Yes. Do you know who that guy is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. That guy is awesome, actually. He's, he's a really cool wow. guy, and he's a really great singer and writer. I actually co-wrote a song on his album. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is mind-blowing. <laughs> he, did the, he did the first he cruise with you, right? He did the first cruise. When we, we, I did a yacht. Were you on that one? The funny I was thing not. about him, when you talk to him, he, he literally is that guy. He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, man, it's really good to meet you. Shit. He's like, yeah, yeah, man, you know, yeah, yeah, we're gonna write this song, right? Fuck, like that's like him. We did the Impractical Jokers him. cruise, and like he hung out for every single band performance that anybody did in like board shorts yeah, and like a t-shirt, that. and he's just hanging it's the whole time. That's funny. And yeah. that's exactly what he sounded like. He's, he's walking the walk and talking the talk. All that stuff he does in the songs, he puts in the curse words. That is him. Yeah, it's like that's, that's like David Lee Roth. You know, David Lee Roth doesn't put on like a business suit when he Jeez. comes home or or khakis. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> uh, we got. Okay, um, Andy Grammer. Yeah, okay. I actually wow. planned on not knowing that that was going to be like a huge, huge album for him. Huh. Um, honey, honey, it had that honey, song on it. Uh, you got to put your hands up. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. My friend That's Steve big. Greenwell um, had a studio. He used to have a studio in Manhattan, and he used to use me all the time for stuff, for different, all these different artists and stuff. And then like, he just stopped calling me, and I'm like, did I piss him off? Or <laughs> It turned out he moved out to Coney Island. Ah. Uh, you know, and so... Mm. My ego was saved. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is pretty impressive. You have a banjo credit. Uh, Pennies in a Jar, Nicky Jean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I want uh, the, a banjo credit. <laughs> yeah, you should play some, I bet you, I bet you could play some banjo. You play no, a lot of instruments, man. I probably can't, but um, um, I'm very impressed by this. But there's, there's more. There's more. Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. Oh, no, that was something. <laughs> I, I heard that was a really challenging musical to play. It was. Um, I mean, not technically, although uh, once they brought in the arranger, he did write some really hard things. The orchestrator uh, was uh, David Campbell. It's actually Beck's father. Oh, wow. And he yeah. writes like all the string arrangements for like all the LA, LA records that are done, all these art pop records, and he's really well known. That's amazing. Wow. But working with Bono and Edge, that, was, that's, that one gets a little asterisk next to it. That's, that's, that's a highlight. Wow. That was great. Are you, are you a U2 fan? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, oh, I, I, I got to tell Edge that I saw you two uh, at the Harvard Civic Center, Harvard, Hartford Civic Center, in like 1986. It was like the Unforgettable Fire tour. Well, it was awesome. Drunk on blueberry schnapps. Thank you very much. <laughs> I remember that too. Uh, let's see what else you got here. This is this is amazing. Uh, obviously, we, we mentioned Rob Thomas, and also um, Matchbox Twenty. Yeah, I started with them, and then when Rob. After uh, I did an out, uh, a record and a tour with them, he, Rob asked me to uh, help put together a band for what was to become his solo project. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, also, this is interesting, Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Yeah, that was just on one track, but that track became a single. I wonder why. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm really not this conceited. The hit maker. It's, it's pressure to be entertaining you know, on the like, air. Once you know, the cameras are rolling, you want it, it's like, you know, know, it's like, I got to be funny, yeah. right? People are going to want to, you know, they're going to click away if you're not funny. I, I have to pretend to be a little jerky or else people right. aren't going to believe it. Right. Like, it's not going to come off as genuine. What Actually, track that was, was it? just a major hookup. My, my very good friend, Greg Collins, was engineering and, and co-producing her second solo album, and they happened to be at Electric Lady in the city here and he just called me and he goes hey I'm playing this guitar part in the chorus for this one song and I can't get it right can you come down oh wow yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. so that was that was another highlight but I, I gotta thank my friend Greg for that thank you Greg thank you Greg Collins wherever you are LA that's where he is and we have a, a lot more Broadway stuff here we have uh, or, or musical theater we have yeah. uh, Tick Tick Boom Tick Tick Boom uh, uh, the piece written by Jonathan Larson who wrote Rent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow yeah. Yeah. This is this is this is really really <laughs> impressive, man. I'm, I'm I've, done a, I've done a fair amount respect. of records. I've done a fair <laughs> amount of records for New York City, which where the scene is kind of not what it used to be. I feel like I'm doing as probably as good as someone can do in terms of like session work because there really isn't that much the, of it anymore. This is yeah. really impressive, and I have a question about this because mm-hmm. this is such a diverse, um, you know, wide range of genre and artists. Yeah, and this is something that. We get asked about too. Um, does your how do you feel your personal taste factors into this? Because you're doing a Gwen Stefani thing, then you're doing a rock thing, then mm-hmm. you're doing a musical theater thing. Right. Like and and now that I've spoken to you and hung out with you for this session, because yeah. uh, we re- we record the tunes before we we, we do the interview part. Mm-hmm. But now I know what your musical taste is. But how does that? Work is it something like you shut off, or is it something you just? Is it something you bring to the table? Like, how do you how do you feel about that? I think it's. I think you know. You guys probably are all the same way. Like, I like just from hanging out with you guys, I get the feeling that you guys are into so many things. I just I like everything, so I feel like maybe hopefully I get the call for those things because I can bring almost anything to the table in terms of style or direction. Right. You, you you have a lot of the versatility. Yeah, yeah, just the being versatile. I like. I've I've always prided myself. In being versatile, like I always, like people ask me, like, how do you, you know, what advice would you give? I'd say, you know, listen to everything, do as much as you can, because then you're more valuable for many different kinds of things. Were you, you know? always like that? Yeah. So that's that's amazing yeah. because I 
I had to do something. I got the opportunity to talk to some students uh, from the University of Ohio, or sorry, Ohio State University. I guess that's a different place. Uh, and they, and the one thing I told them, they said, you, "I know how you guys are right now. Like this guy's a metalhead. This guy's only like straight ahead jazz. This guy likes hip hop." I said, "Once you start becoming a working musician, you're literally not going to care anymore. It's like it's just going to be like, oh, who who needs me to do this? Okay, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and like I was like." I was you knew me when I was a kid. I was a pretty opinionated kid. I liked two bands. I liked Yes and the Beatles. That was it. That's why we're getting along right yeah. now. <laughs> and no, but then and you know other people would play me other styles of music, and I'd just be like, eh, you know, I'm not into that, man. But then, you know, once once like I grew up a little bit and started working, I was like, what? Now the, the challenge is like not to play. What you like, the challenge is to play something you don't necessarily like and play it like you do like it, mm-hmm. you know, right. and sa- yeah. and sound convincing and, and know enough of the genre and the vocabulary to do it. And just sure. from reading your your credits here, you definitely can fit in on, on any situation. Or better yet, I mean, actually really liking all those things, you know, like actually opening up. I try to open up my yeah, ears to really. <laughs> I'm sensing that you, you know, you know, really, because I really enjoy a lot of things, a lot of different things, mm-hmm. you know. So like. Bringing those things to the table, it's very rare that I would be asked to play something that, like, I don't have some reference point of that I like. Right. You know? Um, Even if that particular track at that moment is, like, shitty. Yeah. I can at least say to myself, well, he's trying to do this with it, so let me bring all of the stuff I know about that particular bag. One thing you, you know? said while we were having pizza upstairs, good Staten Island pizza, by the way. Yeah, I had two uh, slices. In the parlor. One thing you said is that every time you have a day off, on the road, you go see music, and it's it actually to the bewilderment to the bewilderment of everyone on the road. They're like, "Don't you want a day off, dude? You don't want to?" I'm like, "No, man. I want to go hear some other music." You know, that's amazing. Yeah, because I'm just I'm just you know I'm open to it. I just want to hear it. I want to take it all in. You know. Now, is this like a, a bus tour that you're on? Because you're currently touring with Rob Thomas. Yeah, Rob is on his fourth solo tour for a, a record called Chip Tooth Smile. And uh, we've been out. This leg is literally about to wrap up in a week, and it's about a ten-week leg. So I've I've been I've been at it for a while. Yeah. So this doing this today with you guys on my day off, by the way, is amazing. This is insane <laughs> yeah, that you would do like, this because I wouldn't do this if I was you. <laughs> right. Like it's, again, it speaks to what you said. It's like my day off. I'm going to go like record some like a podcast with someone else. But uh, do, you know, well, you know how I know that because I've been trying to get Al Cardi to play on my album. And I'm and I'm just, I've been like following a schedule. When can I bother Al? You know, and I, and I see, oh crap, you guys are working now. For, for those of you who don't know, Al Cardi, a very dear friend of mine, he was on this show, and uh, he plays in Rob Thomas's yeah, band since the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, and he's he might be the best bass player on the planet. He's awesome. He's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's everything Rob wanted and needed in a bass player because his solo thing had to be. Different enough from Matchbox, it can't, it couldn't, it right. couldn't be the same statement, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, he wanted to just have a completely different kind of a band that would bring different flavors to the table. Yeah. You know? What I, I love all that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I love when, when that album came, when that first oh, album that first came album out. Was, I love, I loved all those songs. Yeah, you, you got to understand something. Like uh, the stuff I would play with with Al in college was like fusion, and then I would, you know, go sit in his church. So when I see him on Instagram with like a pick. Playing rock yeah, and roll, like right. Yeah, it's, yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Um, so you talk. So you when when I 
when I have a day off, which is rare because we're not doing a bus tour, I like to sleep. So, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I like That's to sleep in. That's not true. But like, you know, shows happen at night. So, I, you know, even if I roll out of bed at like one or two, I'm still, you know, up for like seeing a show that night. G- give us two examples, like the two white, like most different types of shows you've seen on your days off. On this, on this tour? Sure. Well, I, I think I'd mentioned earlier that I was in like... Somewhere in Texas, like some city I'd never heard of. We were, it was a day off, and they just sort of stashed us in some small town. And like, like I do always, I pick up my, my phone. I look at the app of like who's playing around, and I'm like, oh, Paul Gilbert is playing in town. And so I'm like, am I a huge Paul Gilbert fan? No. Do I think he's amazing? Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. So I actually like without any, you know, just drop of the hat, he's I went. awesome live. It was great. You had like a trio with him, and it was, it was awesome. So on the other now, what's on the other end of that spectrum? The other end of that spectrum. Um, uh, let's see. Well, I don't know. On this particular tour, there hasn't been too much like anything that's like opposite that. But uh, I did go and see Carlos Santana. Oddly enough, speaking okay. Of, speaking of Rob Thomas, <laughs> on a night <laughs> off, and that was cool. And that's that's pretty different than Paul Gilbert. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> um, I. D- um, did you ever watch? Here's a guitar player question for you. Did you ever watch the Paul Gilbert like Hot Licks videos? Are you kidding me? I have it on VHS still. <laughs> <laughs> that okay, so are you, so okay? Are you into all the shred guitar and stuff like that? I mean, I cut my teeth on it because that was sort of the dawning of the uh, like tutorial thing. Like there was right. no YouTube, so all you had was going to like Sam Ash and buying like a whole rack of VHS cassettes of like guitar players. So I learned a lot of my first like speed licks. I got from that first. You want to hear it? Yeah, this, I, I, I this want to know because I, I learned the same okay, one. Okay, <laughs> it's probably the same one. It's, it's the one. Is this one? Let's do it together. Yeah. A major. Went to A major. Ready? <laughs> Two. In harmony, three. Okay, ready? Two, yeah. three, go. Are you starting? <laughs> Pick up or no? Right on the downbeat. On the downbeat. Okay. Two, three, four. We both need to go over that video. Okay. In the but days the same, of VHS. Yeah, it is the same uh, uh, riff. Well, that's that's like one of those, as a guitar player, like you hear these guys doing sequences, and they're like, no, it's this one thing over and over again, yeah. and you have to get the, because that whole thing was the, you know, the, uh, uh, yeah. so, you know, I, I still do that everywhere. I do that when I have to do something like blindingly fast, for, if I need that for some reason. I'll even do it like within a, Within a pentatonic scale, yeah. I'll even do it like. Yeah, it's a great little thing. It's awesome. Yeah, I also call that one of the licks you do when you want to get fired. <laughs> like you know, what? I'm tired of this gig. Let me start playing yes. this lick. Yes. I, you know, right now I'm recording uh, an album, and one of the things I've been t- telling all the musicians, and Andy could probably vouch for this. I said, okay, let's do a take that. Let's do a couple takes like the way you think you should play it, and then do one like you're trying to really lose this gig. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because like, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, the unemployable riffs. Give me unemployable riffs because no, because when people do that and they say, oh wait, I don't have to be reserved. Like you usually get some good stuff, oh, right? Yeah, you know, because it's like. It's like it's just unemployable riffs. What's your? What do you think? Uh, I know I have an answer here, but what do you think the best instructional videotape was from that era? I have so. You know what I did once? I'll send you a picture. I, I once laid out every booklet I had. <laughs> I took a picture of it and put it up on my on my Facebook feed. Yeah, there were a lot. Uh, what did I? My favorite one, the Pat Martino one. Was okay, really cool. 
Because like I didn't at the time when I got it, I didn't understand like he had all these concepts about like. Are we getting into like deep theory stuff? Yeah, like, we, we, people you know, like love the conversion, that. like converting. Well, I love to that. Minor, I don't give a shit what the people think. So <laughs> you like go. minor reductions, yeah. everything like looking at it from the minor scale, and like um, you know his twelve pointed star with the, how keys relate and, and diminished relations and all the I, symmetrical I relations. That. It's it's sick. Yeah, yeah. Mm. he's a bunch. But that one, I remember opening my mind a, a bunch. I was like, whoa. That, that makes the one I, I was going to say sound pretty lame. Which is? Ingve <laughs> <Yngwie> Malmsteen. <laughs> you know what? Okay. You know what's interesting? Have you heard of this guy, uh, Troy? Yeah. And, uh, Troy uh, Grady. Troy Grady. This guy is amazing. I, I watch his videos. Me too. I actually bought the, 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 pick, the picking primer. You did? Yeah. It's great, you man. Put, you put your money where your mouth I put, is. I actually I, put my money down because there's a lot of free content, but I went – I wanted some of the more that had they had them transcribed. If you get the, if you if you pay a little, you know. I, I learned there was a <laughs> the, the, the popcorn lick. He goes, yeah, he called it the no, he called it a pop oh, tart, pop tart lick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's the downward. See the ang- the, the pick, pick angle. Slant. That opened my mind. That op- that blew my mind. Me too. Because he goes and he shows those old videos, mm-hmm. and he's like, he was wrong when he said that. Yeah. And he stops the tape, and he's like, look. And they, they show you, and they slow it down, and they show you the pick angle. It's, it's not sick. It's not this. It's this. Yeah. It's this. D- depending on what you need. Yeah. Sometimes it's this. Right. Sometimes it's this. But there are certain players that only always play this way, and Yngwie's a downward. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, because uh-huh. – okay. So wait. How are you angling Here's it? Because I can't see <laughs> what you, the okay, hell so you're you think you should – like if, if – you think you should rest the pick flat on the string, right? Yeah. And then you go – but if you, but if you, it has too much resistance. Yeah. So when exactly. you angle it and point it, you're actually giving it this really like sharp edge. And what happens is the pick can clear the strings and come right. down. That's what happens. Does Otherwise, he, you get stuck. Picks between does, he use? does he use like really like pointy picks as well? Like the, the really fat, short, pointy picks? Who, Ingve? Yeah. No, he uses regular, regular like picks. Fender like heavies. Like regular he- yeah. Oh, heavies though. No, but like lighter than my picks. It's impossible to go to Ingve show and not get a guitar pick. He throws yeah. out about seven hundred of them. I will have to do that. That's so funny that we both watched that. Pop tart lick. Pop tart lick. So yeah, go check that out, Troy yeah. Grady. But the, you know what's cool? Like, I, I was showing Buck from Blue Oyster Cult because he, you know, every once in a while he'd be like, "Show me something fast," and I'll be like, "Okay, here, here's this lick I picked up from this guy Troy Grady," and I, and I. I showed him the video of it. Yeah. In the credits, like the opening animation, mm-hmm. is Buck. Really? He has a picture. Oh, because they have a lot of graphics. He has like a, yeah. Yeah, like, they use things from the past. That's interesting. <laughs> so this, this Buck, ah. I was like, you're learning a video with your face on it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like the Yngwie video because um, he, he assumes, like, everybody hates that video. Because he goes, okay, here's the link. <laughs> Not slowly. But the thing is, like, he's just assuming that you know basic music theory. Like, he's, he's just assuming you know minor chords and a minor scale. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, he's, he's I was like, no, but he's giving you, he's giving you the sequence. So right. all you have to do is just plug in the, yes. and so it's like, the problem is if you're a kid getting that and you don't know anything about theory, yeah. you're like, where do I put my fingers? Right. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you know a little bit about music theory, you're like, oh, he's not giving you the lick, he's giving you the concept right. so you can do it anywhere you want. Right, but he's also like Troy points out that he doesn't really go deep enough to explain why it works and and, and the pick angle, right? And how, why he uses like three notes per string on certain things, or why he slides down and makes it four notes per string because then you have this pick going the other way. I have a question for you. It's it's, it's for the really, switching. You're saying yeah, because if you have three notes per string, see so you're ending this way. 
with the, with the upward pick angle, one, two, three. You know, but mm. if, if, if you need to be one, two, three, four, and you're, you're ending this way. Yeah. You know, and depending on what you need to do next, you have to, like, think about that. That's interesting, man. Did you have any trouble? Because um, if you haven't noticed from watching Matt play guitar, he's playing left-handed, but it's strung right-handed. Yeah. So did you have? Did, is, was there any like stuff that you that didn't work when you were there watching? Were, yeah, there's like there are things that are harder because of this, but yeah. there are certain things that are easier. Okay. Because of this, but like the harder stuff is like when I have to like reach over and get like the really high stuff. If I had to yeah. do like, you know, like that kind of right, thing. it's it's hard. Or if I had to do like. It's hard because I have to go around. I have right. So if I more if I space to, to, I see what you're saying. It's like yeah, I have to, you know. Um, but like bending is easier. Like I can bend. Like that's the thing why Albert King was such a great bender because he played upside down. Right. So like a like two steps is nothing if I go. You know, right. Because I'm pulling into oh. a fist, and every everyone else is pushing away. Oh. So pull, like pulling into the, it, it makes it really strong. Oh, that makes you know? so much more sense. Yeah. Now is, everyone is it, should do it this way. <laughs> Is this an accidental thing, or did you put a lot of th- thought into it? I started it? on piano, okay. and then there were guitars in the house. So I just never thought I'd be pursuing it seriously. Uh, and then at one point, I stopped pursuing piano as hard, and I switched over to guitar. But I was already acclimating. From messing around on the righty yeah. guitars. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Um, where'd you grow up? How'd you get started in music? Suburbs of New York City. I was in Westchester, um, all around Westchester, growing up. And both my parents are professional musicians. Wow. What do they play? Uh, my mom is a French horn player. Mm. Also teaches a lot of music. So she would teach piano and she'd teach other brass instruments and, and uh, other instruments as well. And then my natural father uh, uh, is a violinist. And then I had a stepfather that was a, a conductor. Wow. Huh? Uh, of, of the uh, Philharmonic. He was assistant conductor at one point at the Philharmonic. Wow. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, there's always been music in the house, you know. It's always been, but it was classical. I was started up as classical, and then uh, when I f- realized I didn't want to have the interest to continue the classical thing, I switched over to guitar, and I came back to music on my own terms, which was rock and roll, you know. So, so, w- w- so you were you have classical training, and yeah. you're like you on piano. Like, was it like private lessons or? Yeah, I was. At, believe it or not, I was at Juilliard when I was eight. My what? mom had me there in the pre-college program. Oh my god. Yeah, like I was on the path. Oh, hold on a second. I just muted you by accident. Sorry. I was on the path to like the prodigy thing. Right. And had I continued, who knows? But it's probably what happens with a lot of kids who are on that path. They probably, and to my mom's credit, she didn't force me because it didn't, I didn't create a negative attachment to music. She let me stop. What was that like as a kid, though, like being there? It's kind of all I knew. You know, it's funny. Like, I just remember, like, that was part of my life. You practice four or five hours a day. And, but after a while, when I got a little bit older, I was like, I want to go out and play with my friends, mm-hmm. you know, because I was starting to make friends. And what kind of stuff were they having you play at eight? Well, I remember my Juilliard audition pieces uh, was a Bach prelude, uh, the, one of the fast Bach preludes in C minor. Uh, I was doing some Debussy, and then I think I was uh, like about to play some uh, Beethoven sonatas. I think I was working on that at some point. Those are a little more chunky and grandiose, and I think that was. I was starting to get a little fatigued at that point, and I was between eight and ten. Wow! <laughs> when I was at wow. Juilliard, so yeah. so that's basically like the track to be a concert pianist, and yeah, and, yeah. Like and so- believe it or not, I was not the youngest there. I remember thinking like that I was kind of old because there were six year olds there. If that tells you anything about the competition, so, yeah, I remember being feeling like, oh, okay, so I'm I'm a little older, you know, I'm like at eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, did you yeah. feel 
the pressure, like recital time, or, or was it, was that just normal to you by that point? It, it was normal to me because I was doing little recitals that my mom had, had set up, and I was playing around certain places. And so it was sort of when you're so young, you don't even you're not smart enough to even understand to be scared. You're just oh, this is what I'm doing. Okay, you know. It, it, we upstairs over pizza. We were talking about our love of Trevor Rabin, and yeah. I can understand that now because he had the exact same uh, upbringing. Did he? See, he, I don't know. I don't know his early. Early he life. was a conservatory concert pianist as a little boy. I didn't know that. And he, he used to basically, his parents said, okay, if you do well at this recital, we'll buy you a Cliff Richards album. <laughs> if you do well at this, we'll buy you an Elvis like bribery. Presley album. I love it. Right. Musical bribery. That's good. Right. But it's, it's so that's funny that you've kind of gravitated towards someone else who has the same upbringing as that's you. That's interesting. So what, okay, so you're you're playing classical music and you love it. You love the, the music. Yeah, I mean, I was I knew that it was it was something special because none of my friends at school were doing that. So I knew that there was a unique thing that I was doing. Was there music know? in the school as a kid? Or yeah, but it was sort of inconsequential because I was getting so much more of it outside. But did, it. did you play with the school band as a kid? Or, or was yeah, but it, I mean, you... at six they don't really have a band. Oh, okay, so I was like maybe singing in the chorus or something oh, like okay. that. Or, or I guess I was eight at the time. But yeah. yeah. I, I have a funny uh, chorus story if, if, if I could Please. share it because I, you know, I wasn't a classical musician, but I'm playing from as a kid, and you know, a- Andy was. There's p- pictures of Andy, you know, shitting himself playing drums. It's, it's, it's but this was last year, but he also did it as a kid. Uh, there's, but there's no um, it's scary out there, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a uh, chorus wasn't cool. You know what I mean? It, it, it was like not cool, and the girls liked it, and the boys didn't like it. So. There was this teacher had a uh, a, a two part version of Deck the Halls for the Christmas show, and and basically she needed someone to just keep like the steady melody while they were doing all this crazy stuff, and no one could do it, and I was starting to get really annoyed, and I didn't, but I didn't want to volunteer for it because it wasn't cool. Right. I was like, oh god, I'm, I, like, I'm gonna get beat up for this if I. And it was just, it was just, <laughs> it was just, I was thinking, I was like, I can't be that guy right now, and I was, I, I don't know, I was young, and I'm like, but after hearing it. Wrong. So many times I was like, I'll do it. Right here. Right here. Deck the halls with <laughs> You took what pity on What was the level them? of crazy that other part, though? That like, they just the, could... And they had, it was like, that was okay. one part, and the other part had to keep it still. And, and how and old the, were you? I don't remember. I think this might have been like fifth grade or something. Why was she doing advanced. an arrangement kind like of that? She was doing something, I guess you're 10 by that point. Right? Well, I'm sorry. I wouldn't do that with my high school students right now. But you know, but the thing is like this teacher was was a little much. And <laughs> and she and she was really excited about this, but the problem is every time the like the really good girl singers would come in with that part, everybody else would just fall off the the main Because they part. were following the really good girl singers right. prior to that and the really good and girl I, singers I just were remember loud. sitting there stewing. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, did you have any moments like that in the qu- in like the chorus where you're just like, I must have because I, I blanked I've blanked the whole thing out. I don't remember one day of it now, so I must have. Yeah. I mean, Amory has this with us on a daily basis, so but I'm sure you dealt, like dealt with stuff like that too. Oh yeah, but I was a girl, so it was fine for me to be like, Yeah, I got it, I got it. Um, so. You, but you also obviously because you have such a great knowledge of pop music, you were listening to contemporary stuff too. Mm-hmm. So eventually, I so as, a, as an eight year old uh, con- concert prodigy, what what was like your guilty pleasure to listen to? You know, my mom had the two, the red and the blue Beatles, best of. Okay, you know where they're like young on the front and older yep. on the back, <laughs> on the staircase, down on the staircase, yeah. and I, I definitely tore into that because that was the only thing we had that wasn't classical in the house. And I thought they were cool, and I did know some of the songs just 
for them just being out there in the ether just because you hear those songs right. growing up. And I like that, obviously. And when I found out, when I discovered them, I was, I was like, oh, I started. And that might have been the precursor to me, like, being ready to, like, receive, you know, my love of, like, rock and roll later. Were you, know? you writing music at this point? I was. My mom has some recordings of me and some of the piano pieces I was composing at that age. I even tried to, like, write some of it out, but I couldn't quite wow. have the knowledge to get it down. But Instru- like, instrumental. She has these pa- yeah. pieces of paper with, like, these scribble. You know, kind of like wow. notes and like it's 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 wild. Wow. So, in your house, was it just music all the time? Pretty much. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. Because my brother, I have a younger brother, and he was taking lessons too for a while, and it just was always music. And she was teaching lessons um, at the house sometimes. People were coming through. What year is this about? This would have been like early early eighties. Okay, so yeah. were you allowed to watch Return of the Jedi? Yeah, we okay. saw that in the theater. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, I watched, I actually did watch a fair amount of TV. Okay. Actually, it was right around the time that, like, MTV started. And that's another way that I sort of got into some of the more popular things that were going on that day, that around that time. The reason I ask is I, I had a student years ago, and she played, like, six instruments, and all she did was music, and her mother wouldn't have a TV in the house. And no, was it wasn't just, like that. But yeah, I know so, what you mean, I know this, that type. Where yeah. It's like, no, we're not going to be distracted with that. No, we, we had TVs. All right, good. I worry about you, Matt. <laughs> I feel like I'm fairly well adjusted. You know? no, I definitely grew up with like pop culture and stuff too. Like, so know. what was the guitar that was in the house? What, what kind of guitar was good it? Good question. It was a PV Strat copy. Okay. And, Na- and who's Natural was it? wood. Uh, my mom brought, bought it for my brother. Okay. And then she bought me an, an old Casio keyboard. And... After and I was playing that keyboard a lot because I like to mess around with the synth sounds and stuff. And then uh, after like a week, I just started taking his. I took his guitar and I just started playing it. Was he not playing it? He or? wasn't playing it okay. anyway. But I, I just sort of like co-opted it. I'm like, this is mine now. You know, and it's, <laughs> you know. She had, we had like a little PV bandit or something. Right. Like also, and I'm not even sure why she bought bought it for us. Actually, I wonder. You know, I'm going to ask her that next time I see her. That's a good question. Why did you get those instruments? Because I was on the classical path, and so was he. So why get an electric guitar? Wow, you're bringing up some. Yeah, bringing up some questions. We go deep here at Bandy. Yeah, man. Okay. Love that. Um, actually, I want to take this moment to just take care of a little business. If you want to support the show, you can go to our tip jar. That's richiecastellano.com slash tip jar. And that's a regular PayPal form, and it helps us out and helps us keep making fun stuff and bring people like Matt over and buy him pizza. And we... <laughs> And if you uh, if you scotch, use Amazon, scotch too. That's right, scotch. Right. If you if you use Amazon, you can go to our Amazon link at riot riotcast.com slash bandgeek. There's an Amazon banner at the top of the page, and you can use you use that before you do your shopping. And a small percentage of your purchase goes to supporting our show, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. And we have merch now. Uh, you can go to that same link, richiecastellano.com slash tipjar, or you can just go to my website, richiecastellano.com, and you'll find all the band geek merch we have t-shirts we have mugs we have signed posters signed cds we have a lot of goodies there so we appreciate your support and keep being you that was, that was beautiful guys so where now you're getting into rock and roll through the beatles where did that where'd that take you to next it, it didn't really take me anywhere i just was aware of it but then when i really put down the, the piano uh, I had some friends in school that like were listening to rock, and I, I would see like they would they would wear like rock T-shirts. And yeah, like, 
And I, it was there was like this whole mystique. It was like, like a cult like, you wanted to be yeah, part of. Yeah. I was like, I see this like who shirt, and I see like these symbols on it. I'm like, it's cool. I don't quite get it. Like, you know what? What is it? And they, oh, you don't know this? And they'd make me like a mixtape. You know, and I started listening. I started getting into it, and like you know, so like just hanging out with like friends. The, the mixtape, you know? the mixtape culture is like almost gone. I mean, I guess you can have a Spotify playlist now. Yeah, you know, but like, how many, like, how many musicians were like? I was a mixtape was a huge part of absolutely. Of, you know, yeah. talking about the Beatles, I I wasn't aware of the Beatles. I I knew my dad only listens to. Uh, black rhythm and blues. That's all he listens to, right? And that's all, that's all we had in the house. And my mother would listen to Whitney Houston. So that was it. That's cool. But I saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I saw Twist and Shout, and that affected right. me. Yeah. And then my uncle, I told him, I would like, do you have that song? Can you make me a copy? He goes, yes. And he made me a mixtape of that and a bunch of other Beatles tunes. That's cool. But it, like, did you have a mixtape, Andy, that someone gave you? Actually, Andy's parents beat him when he wouldn't listen to jazz. <laughs> so I know that for a fact. So I'll no. come back to you if you want. <laughs> trying to think. No, I don't know if I had. Yeah, I mean, in high school, yeah, definitely. Well, because I, mean, I, I, I gave you a sign to listening. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I, like I had that. to break you out of the cult of jazz. Yeah. And Andy came from the, uh, the other end of the spectrum from you. Oh, Andy, was a tr- Andy was a trained jazz pianist and drummer and could play like, uh, like that as a kid. You know, uh-huh. and and he was amazing, and his parents let him listen. I'm going to tell a, a Bandcake exclusive right now. His parents let him listen to one rock song. It was Robin Ford. I'm just wild about you. <laughs> that was the only rock song you were allowed to listen to. I was allowed to listen to whatever. No, no, no. It was a very hostile Robin environment. Ford? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're the nicest people you'll ever meet. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, so Sue. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the Korea Electric Band all the time. There you go. That's, That's still rock. jazz. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much is. <laughs> pretty much. Frank Cavalli, come on. But when, no, so, but Andy, Andy had a very. It was like like you with the classical. Andy was with with the jazz. With the jazz, but the jazz. Uh, the jazz. I had to, you know, I I had to um, to 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 lie to Andy again to play rock music. I said, listen to this jazz piano player Keith Emerson. He's oh, great, right? I love that. <laughs> so slick. I love so sly. I like that. Yeah, then I ruined his life. He would have been like, you know, he would have been doing like a tour of Blue Notes right now if it wasn't for me. I, I, I wrecked everything for you. I'm Not sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Ascalise. You were right. I was wrong. Not at all. You know, you, you give a kid a yes record and it's all over after that. Sorry. <laughs> but how about you guys? Did you have a mi- like, what was on your mixtape, Amory? So I didn't get into metal until Mickey Rosso gave me a mixtape. It was beautiful. I forget what it's opened with, but the next two tracks were Dream Theater. There was Death, there was Gwar, there was Anthrax, there was Creator. And right in the middle of all of that, he put Tom Jones. It's not unusual. <laughs> Fits right in. And I thought that, like, because, you know, some of those songs, like some of the Anthrax and Gwar songs, they start, like, with weird samples and stuff. I was like, oh, it's a sample. And then the sample never ended. I was like, no, it's just the song. <laughs> but there was, like, Meta- there was Slayer on it. There- it was, like, it was great. That's how I got into metal freshman year of high school. But, like, okay, so I was the one who made the mixtapes for everybody. I had, like, a little business going on in my house because when I finally got a computer... Mm-hmm. And I finally got the internet. And I finally got LimeWire. Yeah. I would like make the mixtapes for everybody. Don't arrest us. Yeah, it was the, the age of file sharing. We all did it, guys. Actually, LimeWire yeah. was, was legal because it was peer-to-peer. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And I had, um, I actually found this unbelievable, I would just sit there and scour the entire internet for music I never heard before. And there's this live version um, of Ella Fitzgerald doing um, How High the Moon, where she scats for like, seven and a half minutes straight wow. and at 
15 I memorized the whole thing I was like <laughs> I listened to it so many times I, it might be live in Berlin like I haven't like shazammed it yet like I haven't brought myself to do that yet because I'm like the mystery is still I was like I think it's live in Berlin but I'm not sure so it's like it, I found so much music that way and I would just like do that to make mixtapes for other people that was huge that was huge for me and these kids they just don't they just don't get it Vinny, how much Barry Manilow was on your mixtape? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> actually, actually zero. I, it was I, no mix. There was no Manilow. It was all Manilow. <laughs> a lot, a lot of my musical tastes were well. You guys are talking about chorus. My chorus teacher was my mom. Oh. So I had I had Regina in 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 uh, in, That's in school. <laughs> so that was my chorus teacher. Yeah. Was, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah just making you do deck the halls. Ma, ma, apologize to Richie now, ma. No, <laughs> no, but like you know, she would. So like you know, in school you learned all the you know whatever whatever the theme of the spring concert was going to be that year was you know New York, New York, or it was you know around the world, or you know the Billy Joel year, or the Be- or the Beach Boys year, or whatever. But a lot of my musical tastes were from like car rides with my with my parents, like you know driving from here to Florida. All you had was twenty hours and each other, and my dad's uh, CD. Uh, you know, the, the binder. And it was the Beatles, it was the Bee Gees, it was Billy Joel, Greatest Hits 1, 2, and 3. All B artists. All B artists. Elton John, we, we got to the E's after that. Um, uh, Aerosmith, big ones. Like, then it got, it got weird. Back to B-52s again. Uh, Phil Collins, Santana Supernatural. Vin, I don't know if you... Sinatra. This is your first time meeting Vin, right? Yep. Vinny is a is a he has an encyclopedic knowledge of pop music. Yeah, oh, good. Like, good to know he, people like you. Yeah, yeah, he like he can do like a piano bar kind of gig and just rattle. He we used to play this this uh, game called Encore, which is like a lyric game. He would destroy us. Uh-huh. He knows everything from every artist. That's why that. we only do prog rock on the show to make him feel <laughs> right, better right, about right. himself. <laughs> we have to knock him down a peg a little bit. You know, right. today we did two songs I had never heard of or played before. Seriously, yeah. what? Yeah. I never heard those songs before today. Do you, do you well, feel I mean, better I dug having a little known them? deep? I, I do. No, I know. I squeeze song you should have known. Yeah, yeah. That's no, on forty-five. The single is forty-five and under. That rec, that best of record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I I know. I know a good amount of squeeze. I didn't know that one. Oh yeah. Weird. That, yeah, that's that, that's a. Yeah. I mean, that's not there. Like a second tier. It's not tempted. Yeah, you know what I mean? Not, but yeah, it's exactly. it's a right. yeah. But it's like I, black um, coffee yeah. in bed and like that are on the same level of right, another nail in my heart. It's like right. Yeah. The two songs you picked though, or from the two bands, those are like. Harmonically delicious bands. Oh, yeah. you know oh. I mean? that's, that's I'm happy that you not... picked Jellyfish because now yeah. I'm dig- digging into Jellyfish. Yeah, I mean that does. I'm sure that is not by accident. I mean that's. I love stuff like that. Yeah. When when we first, I think Andy turned me on to Jellyfish. Uh, he was working with somebody who was listening to the music we were writing, and he goes, "Oh, you guys sound like Jellyfish," and we never heard it. And I remember Andy. Andy came to me like the most excited he's ever been. <laughs> Like that. on a scale from like one to ten is like a two and a half for him. <laughs> but he was like, um, he was like, "There's a band we gotta listen to. You're gonna <laughs> love this." And, and 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 you know, I was like, "I don't want to know any more new music. I know enough music. I'm good now. I, I have all the bands I like." Things. <laughs> He's like, "No, no, 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 no." And he played it to me, and I was like, "Oh, this has just became my favorite band." And, and it just like Did it you just become best friends. Yeah, no, it, it it hit me. It hit me on that that level. You know, um, with Squeeze, it was like you know, I knew. We we had a teacher in high school who played Pulling Muscles from the Shell, so we had to learn that. And I'm like, this song sounds easy, but it is not oh, easy. Right. It's like it's like what kind of pop chord uh, a pop song has six chords in it and, right. and major seventh chords and and then like as I was like, oh, they did Tempted, oh, Black Coffee in Bed, and then right. another thing we were commenting on is that um, 
he is like a guitar hero that nobody knows about because of his, his other talents are so amazing. I know. It, it's odd, though, to me that, that, that he's not known for his guitar playing because he's just known as, as the main singer and writer. W- what's your favorite Tilbrook solo? Oh, my God. I mean, I think probably the song we did because okay. that was one of the reasons I picked it. Uh-huh. Um, I love, I love, is that love? I love, I mean, Pulling Muscles, we talked about that before. Yeah. That's great. I mean, there's so many. Actually, my favorite is probably Black Coffee in Bed. That's, that's yeah. that, It's so melodic, you know? It's jazzy. I, I, I like jazzy. Oh, yeah. That's all I know. That's a good one. <laughs> a lot of those songs, like with, with, I feel like a band would squeeze, a band like Jellyfish. There's no room to really, you know, there might be a couple of songs, but they're 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 complete songs. They're pieces. And you have to play them the way they recorded them. Yeah, they're there's no room to like yeah. to open them up. And, yeah, there's no vamp on this. No, why would no. you change it? Right. Why would you change it? That's a perfect right. solo. Like, Let the sax player. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody can go oh at the same time, but I feel like that's. A lot of Billy Joel songs the same way, yeah. And it's you know, he, he's my he's my hero. And it's funny I've seen Squeeze a couple times, and uh-huh. Glenn plays those solos as close to note for note as he can. He, he does he, more he riffing it. with his voice yeah. than he does with the guitar. Yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah, like that, that's I, that, that's always my takeaway from that. So if we're I don't know if we haven't decided yet if we're putting these in the middle <laughs> in, the, in the end, but if we do, this would be a good a good part for that Squeeze song. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> wow, that was great. Wow, that was great. So, okay, so you're listening to rock music, and you're and you're listening to the Who and, and classic rock bands. So, who was the first like hard rock band that was like, okay, this I'm gonna I mean, go buy depends, a distortion pedal. It depends. Yeah, I mean, it depends what you consider hard rock. Like some mm-hmm. people consider Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. like the like the first prototypal metal band, or. Uh, but I got really into Zeppelin, and okay. I think that's when I realized I needed to get like Stompbox if I was going to get those sounds, you know. So, what so. was the first piece of like rock gear you bought? Because you have the you have the PV Strat at home and the Bandit, right, the one twelve Bandit, right? And those were just gifts that my mom yeah. brought home. And you can get a decent sound with that. Yeah, you can't play a gig really with it. No, but you know, the first thing I got. You ready for this? Yeah, it was a knockoff white flying V. Okay. Yeah. I think Triumph was popular at the time. You know, Rick Emmett, yeah. Triumph. And, and I think there was a video where he was playing a white flying V. And my local music store, that happened to be one of the guitars they had there. But it was some, like, knockoff of a knockoff, <laughs> you know. And I was like, Mom, I want that guitar, you know. And she bought it for me and for And this like, is my after birthday. you you walked away from the piano for a while. Yeah, and I don't even think that I was, like, officially, like, back to music. I want to be, you know, a guitarist. I think it was, like, that sort of middle ground where I was sort of, like, still getting interested in pop music and rock music and I wanted to have a guitar to play. It wasn't like I was going to like, I need to have a guitar because I want to be a musician now and I want to be a guitar player. Right. You know? It's just like stuff that was leading up to that. How long of a break was it from when you stopped doing the concert? Like That's a good stuff? question. There was a three-year period where I wanted to be a professional tennis player. Wow. <laughs> so I literally went from like one like interesting thing to another. I was like, I, like, I want to be a pro tennis And I was really good. Like I was, I was like ranked nationally and like Huh. Traveling to tournaments and like endorsed and the whole thing and was so on that you path. Just, you, know? you just have this like 
personality where you just go for something. Like when you do it, yeah. you dig deep. I get obsessive too, so like practicing is never an issue for me because I, I like I enjoy it. Right. Because <laughs> it's like that OCD, let that OCD kick in. And but you just, know, you like jellyfish. You have to get everything that jellyfish has. You. I, I have a lot of guitars. Oh, as, you do? as do you. But I, uh, I, yeah, I own a lot of. I have, I have hundreds of pedals and. Oh my god. I have like over fifty guitars. And, wow. And many many amps. Well, let's talk about that. That's a, that's, that's a good segue, actually. So, what's your current like gear that you're using? Well, I have I, what I have with me on the on the Rob Thomas tour now is I'm using a uh, divided by thirteen FTR thirty seven okay. amp with a two twelve cabinet, which is great amp. And um, my main guitar, I have a lot of different guitars. I have a white Strat, like a a, a, a late nineties white Strat. Um, I have a a custom shop gold top. Uh, with me, I have a, I have a a sixty a sixties reissue custom shop SG. Um, I'm using a Taylor twelve string acoustic. I have a J forty five Gibson acoustic. I have a Rickenbacker eight string stand up lap steel with three legs wow. on it. Wow! Yeah, I usually play pedal steel, but this tour there wasn't as much space for me to like bring the pedal steel out, so I. I just brought the stand-up lap steel, and it goes over my pedal board because the legs come out like that. Ah. So I can save a little space, and then it comes and goes. Are you so playing keyboards on this tour as well? Yeah. It's mostly it's actually mostly keyboards, this gig. The Matchbox is a little more 50-50. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so this has got to be like a, a, a cool thing. So you're, you're starting to play gigs, and you got your, your gear, you got your flying V, and then they need <laughs> they need – a keyboard part because we want to do the final countdown or whatever whatever song you were doing is it, is it was it was it like something you you wanted to hold back like listen I don't want to get sucked into that again or it was like hey I can play piano I can I can play you know, that it's part. funny that did not kick in until I moved into New York City as an adult and I was like I need to make a living yeah like I need to like if I'm gonna have a go at this and then literally someone was like oh you don't you play keys like I had mentioned it in passing and a friend was like oh you should so and so is looking for keyboards and I was like. Or they were looking for someone who could play guitar and keys. Right. And I was like, you know what? I could do that. I could well, definitely do that. I never thought of myself as doing keys anymore, but I was like, well, why not? I were have you a, practicing a still? Keyboards? Yeah. Not really. I didn't even have a keyboard in the house. Oh, wow. It was all about guitar. I mean, I mm-hmm. was living in a small studio apartment, so I just had like whatever, two or three guitars, one or two guitars even. How quickly did that come back to you? or did, did... It, it came back because it's just you know so many years of, of practicing, probably from the ages of three or four all the way up to 10, 11. You know, so, so if you're playing Bach as, as a kid and then you have to play rock tunes on the keyboard, it's probably not that much of a challenge at that point. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, there was different things that are challenging, like maybe not as technically challenging, but, yeah, I had to, like, come up with sounds and then like, right. I have to, like, play the right part and then, like, playing with good feel, you know? Right. It's like that's almost more important, you know, when you get to, like, pop music or or music that has like groove in it that's almost more important to me because it's like how does it how's the feel of what you're playing yeah absolutely you know that's um, very important so what was <laughs> i'm gonna contradict what you just said but i have, to, I have, I have a very <laughs> very important question that yeah. you know the answer to <laughs> what what's the hardest thing you've had to play on keyboards <laughs> uh, uh hmm. you mean like since going yeah like incorporating it back into what yeah I do? like on a gig someone's like oh we, we got to do this and you know, you're like, oh, this is, I, a- oh, I, this is a good a segues into a, a really good story. You know, I played in Rod Stewart's band yes. for a year. Wow. Uh, while I was still in Matchbox, there was a, a hiatus, and it just literally fell into my lap. And I spent all of '07 in Rod Stewart's band, 
And my audition, if you will, was a corporate gig. And literally, uh, he had stopped doing the standard. You know, like for a while, he did these standards mm-hmm. records, yeah. and he like was winning Grammys doing it. Right. And then he's like, "I'm back. I'm doing rock now." So like, I sort of came in as like part of this rock wave of players that he wanted back in the band, right? Instead mm-hmm. of like the standards jazz thing. But there was still some standards that they would do, you know, from time to time. And literally, they told me he's not going to do any more standards. Uh, but he's a, here are the 50 songs you need to learn that he's going to call from. Oh, geez. So I learned it. But anyway, I'm at dinner, literally, and we're about to play uh, in an hour or so, and, and the MD comes over and goes, oh, Rod does want to do a couple of standards. Like, you know, here, here's the music. And it was like written out like jazz jazz solo intros like set up, you know, like bumbling by himself. And then like the first verse is like you and him. And it's like... <laughs> Like, my heart sank. I'm like, I'm going to lose this gig. I'm not going to get, you know. So I excused myself from dinner. Yeah. Give me the music. And I went, luckily, the stage, there was, they hadn't let, opened the doors yet. Right. And I just sat there with headphones and I practiced it for like an hour or two. How's your sight reading? Good. Good. Because I, I really got that in early. Right. The reading thing. And that actually is one of the things that has uh, applied to guitar very quickly because music is music. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's harder to read on guitar because of the duplication of. Thank notes. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No, I mean, it's, it's, Look into the camera and say that, please. <laughs> I mean, it's a cliche, but the cliche of being bad readers as a guitar player, there's a reason for it because this this note exists many yeah. places, and all the notes exist many places, so it's not as easy as playing, you know, you have the piano. The middle C is your middle C. Right. It's, you know? Also, it's like, <laughs> you know. write something out. Write that out. Look how stupid it looks right. on, on, on paper. Right. right. It's like every guitar player, you go, everybody knows how to do it. But if you write that down on paper, you go, right. Like, because when I did those, like, symphonic gigs, like, there would be, you know, like, Brian Malick's on there. And I'm just like, like, how am I, yeah, how am I supposed to interpret that? What is that? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Okay. Right. And then okay. the opposite of that is true, too. It's like something as simple as, like, Barry Had a Little Lamb. Yeah. Very simple metal, melody. Anybody could read on a piano, but it's like, well, if you're on a guitar, how are you going to play it? Is yeah. it like, you know, it's, yeah. so many different ways that you can play it. That's, you know, I, I really so, liked when Guitar Player Magazine was doing the notation tab. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can look at the rhythm. You can see yeah. how it goes sure. musically. What I started doing when I was teaching is I would write tab with rhythms under the tabs, so yes. it was like you can put the stems. In yeah, the, you put yeah. the stems in just so that you can yeah. still get the rhythms and and you can see where to put your fingers. I mean, it doesn't. It looks kind of stupid because with the music you can see the direction of the lines, right. but it's like at least you know what it, you can kind of see. You can visualize yeah. it where you really can't the other way. And also, I've, you know, since I do a lot of MD stuff, um, I sometimes have to, depending on what the gig is, I have to like make charts for people. And sometimes it's great that like with Finale which is the transcription software that I use. There's also like Sibelius, but yeah. I use Finale. They have like, you can actually have a line of tab and you can like just play in the note and then it'll come out in tab under the, under the regular staff. That's line. great. And it, you it, know, it, 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 like you can figures. even put, and you can like have, you know, set a preference to put the rhythm in too. It's pretty cool. That's great. And yeah. it could double, yeah, I have, I use Sibelius and like yeah. sometimes they'll just double up on the staff. It's great That's because great. like, I mean, it's funny. Both the songs we picked for them, one of them I wrote in tab and one of them I wrote in notation. It just made more sense to It just made more, like I ways. did the squeeze song in notation and like chord yeah. symbols and stuff and, and the uh, the other one I did, um, and that I did speaks all tab. To, 
And that speaks to you being versatile enough to do that. Like if somebody doesn't read, they don't have that option to do that. It's literally different sides of my brain though. Like I can't actually get one to talk to the other. I do one or I do the other. Mm -hmm. I can't really never the twain show me. I I was doing a gig and uh, they gave me the whole, all the music. And I basically like went through the whole thing. I, I read, but I can't, I can't sight read very well. It's like, um, I can, if I have some time with it, I'm fine. So, I just went through the whole thing. I was like, oh, that's going to be a problem. So I just scribbled some tab on the side. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a problem. And, 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 I ha- and then I ended up having like, you know, like 50 of these little like scribbles. Smart though. And then, then I couldn't make a gig. And they were like, can you give your music? I was like, no! Like, <laughs> I'll give it to him, but I don't know if it's going to be helpful. No, I was like, <laughs> he can't know. Oh, I see. <laughs> he can't know I'm a fraud. And yeah, I have but- to have little tabs everywhere. So many but- of those dudes do no, that. No, but you know what? He was like, no, leave it on. I need that. <laughs> That's the so guy many said, of those dudes like, really? do that. Because, yeah, I was like, I thought you were going to just like come in here. And it's like, no, 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 no. Leave that on there. I was like, okay. I will but, say this though, like doing this, uh, some of the sessions that I do, which are like some of those like like movie score sessions yeah. or even the Broadway stuff. Man, I got my reading together really. Qu- I mean, I've always been a good reader, but yeah. I'm very confident now. And like, the more you do it, the more you see something. You're like, oh, I can do that in fifth position. I can do that whole thing in fifth. I'm going to switch up to twelfth position for that. But like, and then I I'll put in little markings like Roman numeral, right. Fifth position, tenth position, and that's if I get a mu- you know like if you're in a session, and they like hand out the music and they want to come on let's go. Yeah. Usually I'll have a, a few minutes I can look it over really quick and say oh that's that gets a little high there I might go to a higher position I'll put in a position marking. Sometimes I, they put that in, ta- in, in a notation put, like put, I remember guitar ensemble stuff I would they would hand me out, right. like you know they would put like mm-hmm. fifth twelfth whatever. And then sometimes they don't because they know <laughs> that I may want to do it in a different place. Yeah. Because you know right it's it, w- in so many different places with you know? a gig like that I find it's important that you're supposed to take the notes on the page and adjust it for the genre specific rock guitar thing yeah. you're supposed to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no like if you read it flat like just like right off the page it would, it would sound wrong. very yeah. unexciting. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But if you like you have to interpret like oh they, this is what they this want. This is what they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that's that, that's a skill all in itself. It so is. just you know, just being you know terrified at the notes like I would be, and then he's past that. He can lead it. Go okay, and then now I have to interpret this. You know, that's what you're, that's what you're doing. So, um, I'm, I, we're, we've all been talking for like an hour already, but I want to. Awesome. I, w- I don't want to keep you here because you have to play more gigs. But <laughs> um, so you're. Can you really quickly because you, you talked about a, a film score. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't talked about this too much on the show. Can you talk about what it's like playing in a current Broadway show? Sure. Um, I've, I've been doing it between tours now for a very long time. Um, at you know, at first, it really feels like, for, at least for me as a guitar player, it feels like the closest I will ever get to playing in an orchestra. Like you know what I mean? Because it's like. You're surrounded by all these different sections. You've got your, you see, look over there, you see a string section, you've got your brass, you've got reeds, double reeds, and percussion, and it's like, and then there's a conductor on a podium, like, you know, sometimes with a stick, sometimes not, and it's like, wow, I'm in an orchestra. So, like, it's, it's actually thrilling, you know, to be part of that, because, like, you know, we're used to just playing in ensembles like this, right? Small ensembles, but to actually literally be amongst that many people, it's awesome, you know? Do you, now, what about, like, the feeling of pressure because like th- those shows are obviously tightly choreographed uh, every aspect of them like did you ever get like oh man I, if I screw this one part up I mean, like I'm going to throw everybody off or yeah I mean there are certain things that are super exposed and like you know when I'm preparing my, my score for like my subs to learn I'm like you let them know like hey man this is really exposed here 
Yeah. So like you really want to make sure that this is on point. Yeah. But like you know, other things you might think yeah, that's just comping. That's just you know playing some Freddie some Freddie Green yeah. stuff. It's fine. Just just go through it there. So is it but, true that the subs you have to have subs like play a certain amount of time? I mean, each each show is different. Like each MD is is comfortable with different things. But usually a sub comes in and they learn it and uh, they get approved to come back. I understand right. off of their first performance, right? Uh, or not. And then when they do, uh, when they've done enough performances that the conductor feels like they are like as good as the chairholder. They'll say that they are designated, and then they can be used freely, you know, at any time without any issue. You know. Now, some of those, you know, traditionally you think, okay, the band's in the pit, but that doesn't happen anymore it's that changing. much, right? It's changing. Like uh, when I the first show I did was Rent, and the band was on stage for that. Yeah, that's cool. You know, so I was doing that, and I've done some other ones. Like uh, when I did that Amelie show, we were actually in some of the box seats. Oh wow! It was a really intimate thing. It was pretty cool. You know. And uh, they still use pits, like some, like with Mean Girls, where I am now, we're in a pit. Yeah. Our buddy Brandon Etheridge, who who uh, who was a guest on the show, he told me one of the shows he was on, he was in like an office cubicle, like somewhere else in the theater. What instrument is he? Keyboard. Oh, really? Yeah, they they usually do that with drums or percussion. They'll put that in another room, right? You know, just for for the volume. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you. Um, just a few more questions because sure. you're a really good guest ah, and, and we're getting some really good information here. Awesome. Uh, what's it like and what is the role of a musical director in a rock band? That's a great, great question. And I think that probably varies. It does vary from, from situation to situation. At least with Rob Thomas, mm-hmm. what I do is I'm sort of like the, the intermediary between Rob and the band because Rob can't always be at soundcheck. Rob can't um, always be at rehearsal. You know, especially when we rehearse for a tour, we rehearse two, sometimes three weeks, because there's a lot of things to get together. And so, it's up to me to like, you know, get all that stuff together. I can also suggest to Rob ideas for set lists or arrangement ideas. And so, are you, you like know. calling rehearsals, or, or does does uh, he do I that? I can sometimes on the road. I'll call uh, a vocal rehearsal, but usually our a sound check every day is rehearsal. right. But I mean, yeah. like, are you not calling? Are you running the rehearsals and stuff? Yeah, okay. I mean, well, I mean, th- Rob is a very hands-on artist. Like, right. there are some artists that are like, I don't care, man. When I hit the stage, I want everything to be perfect. That's on you. Yeah, and that's cool because maybe they they just don't want it. But Rob is a real band guy, and he likes to be there. So I don't I don't sit there and run every single aspect of it. Like it's sort of a I sit there and I I see what Rob wants and I help to you know get that. Do you, to everyone, you know. So obviously you're tightening up things like performance. You're like, oh, hey, you maybe play this note here because that's clashing with what he's doing. Yeah. And now, do you also do like tones? Like, oh, man, I think you should really do that on this sound instead of this sound. Absolutely, especially with, with the guitars and keys. Like I, you know, like our, our, we have two background singers. Actually, the other multi-instrumentalist in the band is, is the male background singer also. So, I mean, I'm not like a, a vocal coach, so right. I'll, I'll usually you know ask about you know because they're they're like studied vocalists and mm-hmm. they they know better than me i'm not going to say you know maybe do that in a you know do that in your head voice instead of a chest voice i'll ask say, would it be you know what do you think is the best way to get this sound rather than just dictate you should do that in falsetto definitely you know what i mean i i, I gotta tell you too uh, i was surprised you sing great because oh, thanks, from man. what you said to, from when I asked you, are you singing? You're like, oh no 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 no, you you sing, and I'm like, oh yeah yeah. yeah. But I was, but you sing really well. <laughs> thanks, man. I I really love singing. I mean, I 
don't feel like I, I'm as much of a lead singer type. Like you have a great voice. Like, oh, thank you. you. <laughs> like you just you really kind of own it as as a lead singer. Like I can you see pick that, like, two bands I really like though. <laughs> <laughs> Should no, we I, leave you two alone? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. He literally, before when we were rehearsing, he goes, he goes, what did you say? I think I have a man crush on you. Yeah. <laughs> you learned the squeeze solo note for note. He's like, I think, uh, yeah, I think like it's turning me on right now. Yeah, when he, told me, when he told me the two songs, I was like, you didn't pick those? <laughs> like, that, that was really my first reaction. Usually, with Anne-Marie, she's so busy that it's like, it's, it's tough to get her on these. But when I told her what songs we were doing, she's like, okay. <laughs> I, you know, it, it's, it's. I've spent so much, so many years playing in bands, and and like, actually, like, consciously saying, I'm going to say that I, I'm a multi instrumentalist. Like, right. I'm a guitar player who also <clears throat> plays many other things, and a big part of that is background vocals. So mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of singing, and I've sung with a lot of different artists over the years, and some of them are female, some of them are like really raspy, some of them are like very soft singers, and I've become very good. I think of blending and and you know no and, you, you're and right like, in there yeah and I like really try to concentrate on pitch and tone I mean I don't really consider myself a great singer but I feel like I'm a very strong like background singer you know everybody I think everybody should sing yeah you know it, absolutely and a lot of people think oh I can't sing mm-hmm. yeah you can just, I don't believe in that yeah. I don't believe in that I've been teaching voice for 15 years I'm like yeah. I don't especially with guitar players if you can know that this if you know that's a, that's a whole step, right. you then sing. you could sing. Right. That's the, yeah. the same. No, because oh, I, I get it all the time. Because like, you know, I teach high school girls, so they're the height of like, oh, I can't sing. I just can't <laughs> sing. And it's like, no, no, no. Everyone, if you can speak, you can sing. If you can scream on the phone with your friend, you can sing. It's just a matter of you're having a hard time connecting this to right. this. But you're hearing it, you're enjoying it, you can feel it. Right. So you obviously have it sure. somewhere in you. Like and you always you'll hear find like, like no, they say like I'm tone deaf. I'm you're to- like, well, I don't no, actually. That. True tone deafness is extremely rare. Yeah. Probably not. I was like, I don't believe deaf. in tone deaf. You don't. You, that's like, you don't have a medical thing happening right now, girl. Did, did, did you sing all the time, or is it something you just started doing? Because I always sang, but I never. I, I got confident over many years. I don't feel like I was always a confident singer, but I would always try and be into it because I, I do enjoy it. Matt, I have a question on, on that. If if you were going to play and sing a song like like solo, yeah, would you go to piano or guitar? I can do either. You want to hear a funny story? I don't know if we're going to run out yeah. of time. But literally, I, with Rob, I do like an, sometimes I do an acoustic version of his solo band in where it's just me, uh, the other guitar player, and Rob. And we right. go out as a trio. And literally, one time, we were doing something, and Rob turned to me after, between a song like, during the applause. He goes, listen in. I have to fucking pee. <laughs> he goes, do you have one in you? Can you do one? I was like, he's like, after this next song, I was like, Okay. Yeah. I just said yes. So I'm doing the song and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> I don't know any lyrics to any songs. I'm like, what am I? It's like, what the hell am I going to do? Um, but I did, I, I mean, I, I, had, I did an album of my own stuff. So I did, I did one of my songs. Oh, so cool. I, so I know, obviously know the words to that. <laughs> but I did it. Actually, I was, I was like, I was so nervous. I was like shaking. Even though I was like already on stage. Right, right. And he was like, you got one in you. And I'm like, literally, he was like, all right, Matt Peck is going to. I'm gonna sing one for you. He's like Matt Beck, and he walked off the stage. <laughs> Where can we find this album? Uh, oh, oh, thank you, album. Amory. Thank you very much. Very good. Thank you. Um, you can find it on any uh, any uh, outlet for downloading. It's on uh, iTunes, Spotify, all that uh, stuff. Yeah, it's What's on Spotify. It um, if you ever see me anywhere on the street, I can get you one out, out of my uh, <laughs> closet in my apartment. I do have a few sitting in there. Uh, what, do you have a website? 
Uh, I kind of no, not really. I'm, I I need to work on a proper one, but I have a you could I have a Facebook and okay. Twitter and Instagram and all so that. So there you go. You know, so look so up I, Matt Beck on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and see what he's up to. Yeah, I might be Matt Beck twenty on okay. Facebook with oh. the twenty spelled out T W E N T Y. I get I, I got it. <laughs> yeah, they gave me that nickname when I started with them. Wow. Matt Beck twenty. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we're gonna end the show. Uh, I guess if if we we might end it with that jellyfish song. Sure, <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank Matt Beck for being a wonderful Woo! guest. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. This was this was really a lot of fun. Yeah, it was chock full of information. This was an amazing show. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about jazz, but I think people are getting tired of me doing that. Well, you didn't have to do the thing you did. He had so much interest, so many in- interesting things to say that you didn't have to go. So, do you study the dark arts? Jazz. <laughs> I went to college. Believe it, my degree from Manhattan School of Music is in jazz, guitar, and commercial music. Wow. That's, cool. That's my degree. That's cool. <laughs> so you could. So do you? I mean, do you do jazz gigs? Like if, if someone occasionally, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a. I have this, this a good friend of mine, John Regan, that plays at the Roxy, this hotel in Manhattan, and, and it's a jazz gig. And like, I'll do it every once in a while, and it's fun because I don't never get to do that. Sure. You know, you do things that terrify me. I like you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's exactly why I do it. It's like it's how you grow, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Beck, everybody. Woo! Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. It was fun. Uh, thanks for watching. We had Andy today, Amory, Vinny. I'm Richie. We're the Band Geeks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. <laughs>